Good morning. Um, if you could join me and stand for the reading of God's word. We are in Luke 13, reading 10 through 21. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to her, or said to the people, the six days in which work out are, yeah, excuse me, my bad. Uh, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord said to him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on, your, on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? He said, this, he said these things, and these, all the adversaries were put to shame, and the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like, and, who, and what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed. The man took it and sowed it in the garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests and branches on it. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was leavened. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for... Uh, all that you are doing here in good news. And I pray that you anoint uh, Raphael as he comes to speak. And I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John. Well, thank you for coming in. So, you know, I was telling... Victoria, my wife, it's like, you know, I, I, I would love to have a job where you get it wrong every time and you still keep your job. <laughs> if you are into that sort of thing, meteorology, I apologize. I'm not talking about you, just the ones on TV. <laughs> All right. But we're here and God is here and God is ready to do some things. Amen. So in this text that we that we read, um, in the first part of this text, we hear, we, we read about a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years and she was bent over. Um, I want to share a testimony of something that God did here just very recently at Good News of a person being touched, sort of like in this same way. So uh, her name is Susan. Uh, and some of you may know Susan's sister, Gabriella Lee, and Gabby Lee is, is married to Logan, and, and they serve in different ministries here. So in, uh, back in November, on November 5th, Susan sent this message to, to some of us, some of the team, and she said this, uh, Gabriella sent this message about her sister. Um, 
We're in need of some serious prayer. Long story short, my sister has been unwell since August. She, is, she has almost lost 50 pounds in a few months and has a lot of abdominal pain and can't eat much. She had many tests and exams done. Recently, she did a CAT scan and especially said she has enlarged lymph around her liver, spleen, and chest all around her abdominal area and all over. He said it looks like tumors, uh, some medium and some large. The doctor said she, it may be lymphoma, which is cancer. She's going to the oncologist today and will be scheduling a biopsy soon. We will not receive this, she says. Please pray for Susan that the biopsy will come back normal. I really need my church and family to stand with us in this. And you know that Susan and I do not have any family here. So we will love your prayers and support. That was November 5th. This past week on November 20th, she sends this text message. This is Gabriella talking about her sister. My sister Susan told me today that the nurse called her and said, no cancer. Now she says, remember, earlier they said that it was only between 1% and 3% chance that it will be no cancer. 97 to 99% sure that it was cancer. The oncologist did the biopsy to find out what kind of cancer it was to determine what kind of chemo she would need. Well, Jesus healed her. Uh, because after the, the biopsy, the doctor told me that he only found pus. And it was odd and uh, that he never had this happen before. He said that it looks like whatever was there was eating and destroying itself. And that now the doctors are divided on the conclusion. Listen to this. Now the doctors are divided on the conclusion if, if, if it was cancer or not. Well, fast forward to today. They said there is no cancer, just an infection. They are shocked. She is healed. Jesus is awesome. I think, I think you all need to get up. I mean, seriously, just, I know it's cold. God, we thank you. We thank you for healing Susan. We thank you, God, for what you're doing even now in our midst, God. We thank you that you're ready to move on our behalf. We thank you that you're ready to display your power, God, amongst your people. We bless your name in Jesus' name. And all God's people say amen. amen. Maybe seated. Praise God. When I spoke with Susan um, two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, she was standing right behind me. I said, Susan, we're praying for you. And she said, I know, Pastor, but I'm not sick. And, and her faith was just, she, she was just like, we're not receiving this, Pastor. We believe that God is able to heal me. And, and in this family, God had already healed their mother of cancer that lives overseas. So they have seen the God move. And so as we, as we read this text today in, in Luke chapter 13 of this woman who had been bound by Satan for 18 years, we have an example here, right here, right now, a good news church of what God is able to do and what he wants to do. Amen? So now I ask you, as we see this, this text and we see, the first thing that I noticed was that Jesus saw her. Jesus saw this woman. It caught his eye. And he did not only see her, he called her over. So that is a great thing.
thing to point out why this is something good for us to keep in mind because she was healed because she responded to her master calling her. He saw her and he called her. He called her over. She responded to his calling. He touched her and she was healed. See, today, if you have an, a physical, emotional, spiritual need in your life, I want you for the rest of the service to be filled with anticipation and with expectation of what God wants to do and how God wants to touch you and wants to touch your life. This woman was not a superhero. She wasn't a leader in a synagogue. She was not a religious leader or a scholar. She was an individual that was very well known in the community. And they knew that she had been bound for 18 years. She was this poor woman that nobody could give her an answer as to what was wrong with her. Jesus doesn't only see her, but he does something about it. We see here that Jesus is at the synagogue and he's teaching on the Sabbath. This is significant. It's important to, to realize what's happening here as this story is unfolding. Because Jesus has come on the Sabbath day to teach. He is teaching at the synagogue. So it could be like you prepare for a lesson if you're a teacher or a sermon if you're a pastor or a presentation if you are a, a business person, right? And you are going to go there with a purpose, and it is to teach. It is to communicate information. And Jesus is, is there at the synagogue teaching. So that was the purpose of him being there, just to the casual observer. But Jesus had another plan. Jesus had another purpose. Jesus had a purpose of displaying the power of God and displaying the kingdom of God here on earth. So Jesus takes a moment and he notices her. And he stops what he's doing. He notices this woman and her suffering and he stops his plans. See, he had plans, but we see time and time again that our Savior is not ruled by his plans, right? As some of us have an issue sometimes of getting rid of our plans. He's not ruled by the plans. He, we find him time and time again that our Savior is more concerned with the well-being of those around him than his own plan. He may be going to the place, but he gets interrupted in the midst and, and the disciples may get angry, but he says, no, 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 no. I, I want to touch this person. I, um, I need to be honest. I don't know that I stop long enough to notice those around me who are hurting. And this is exactly what Jesus does here. He stops and notices this woman who had been bound by Satan for 18 years and notices her suffering. And he touches her. He was also there on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day. Now, this creates a problem because the understanding of Sabbath law to the Jewish people was not the original intent. 
See, God gave the Sabbath to the Jews as a day of rest, as a day of worship, as a day of restoration. He gave them a day, that day for a day of healing, a day of provision. See, back in Exodus chapter 16, we read of the first time when, when, the Jews, when the Jews were out there in the wilderness and they needed food and they were complaining and they don't have food and they, they wanted meat. And God sends them what? He sends them quail. They could pick up as much, as much as they need in a day and then manna, just bread growing from the dew. They didn't have to work for it. He was just giving it to them. And they were to pick up this, this provision from heaven every day. But on the sixth day, they were to pick up twice as much as they needed. Because on the seventh day, they did not need to pick up any. So why is that? What does that represent? Well, God wanted them to trust him. See, another element of Sabbath is that you have to trust God. See, this interaction here with the Jesus and the woman that happened in the synagogue would not be a problem had it happened on a different day. The problem was the day that it happened on. Now, don't, don't bother me on Sunday. I'm busy on Sunday. See, Sabbath is uh, literally the, the seventh day. We understand that um, Sunday is not the last day of the week, but Saturday is. Sunday is actually the, 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 day, the Lord's day, and it's the first day of the week, and Saturday is the seventh. And we're not going to jump in and talk about the Sabbath extensively. Um, you remember back in April 23rd, we covered the Lord of the Sabbath on, on a Sunday morning, uh, Luke chapter 6. So if you want to listen to it again, I encourage you to do so. Go to goodnews.church and you look into that. Go for ser sermons. Go to the Lord of the Sabbath and listen to that again if you need to. But there's, there's something that happened very, very interesting in the story because Jesus goes directly to the issue. So he notices the woman and he calls her over and then he says this. In verse 12, he says, woman, you're free from your disability. This is interesting because right after he laid hands on her in verse 13, then this is what it says. It says that he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. She glorified God. So see, the woman did not care that it was the Sabbath. How many of you... Uh, you know, when, you, when your God just shows up and provides for you, you say, oh, that was very inconvenient. I was busy. No, man. She did not care that it was the Sabbath. God touched her. She got straightened up. She's healed. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. She was not inconvenienced at all. Yeah, but it is, it is very, very interesting how the ruler of the synagogue how he responded to what just happened and jesus shows us this contrast the bible shows us this contrast between how the woman reacted to what happened and how the ruler of the synagogue reacted what his response was verse 14 says but the ruler of the synagogue 
indignant because Jesus has healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. <laughs> I, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And that's not, a, that's not a problem that we understand. See, Jesus is not dealing with a problem that we Americans understand very well. Because we don't have a Sabbath. We have no idea what resting is. We have no idea what worship is. We have no idea what it means to actually wait for God and trust in God. So we really like, oh, wow, man. To us, Sabbath is almost like a four-letter word. Just to be honest. But here, it was a big, big deal. And this ruler of the synagogue is telling the people, if you're sick, don't come on the Sabbath. Wait a minute. God intended the Sabbath to be holy unto him. But the Sabbath was so that you may rest, that God can heal you, that God can restore you, that God can make you whole. So what better day than the Sabbath? So what, 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 they, what they understood, the leaders of religious law in that time, what they understood as the law was not a reflection of God's heart. Listen to me, because they, 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 they understood the letter of the law, but they really did not get the spirit of the law. See, there was, a, there was a big gap between the intent and the reality. So there was an intent. So God had an intent when he established the law and he established the, the, the law of the Sabbath. But the reality was far away from what the intention, the original, original intent was. So God intended the Sabbath to bring healing, restoration, wholeness. But men have made it into a burden. Into rules and regulations that ought to be followed above all else. It is interesting that the ruler of the synagogue didn't address Jesus straight up. That was interesting to me. Because he said, he turned to the people. So Jesus is the one that did the miracle. But he turned to the people and said, hey. Don't come on, on the Sabbath to be healed. Come, there's six other days that you can do that. But he didn't talk to Jesus. I'm like, yeah, buddy. I know what you didn't. I probably would have done the same thing. But uh, Jesus addressed him directly. Verse 15, Jesus says, you hypocrites. That means you, uh, you say one thing, but do something else, right? Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his, untie his ox or his donkey for the, from the manger and lead it away to water it? And not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? This is a great question. And it's a question that here on, on chapter 13, verse 15, that parallels what happens a little bit later in chapter 14, verse 3, where Jesus asks another question. He says, is it permitted or is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And in verse 5, in chapter 14, he says to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? 
Jesus right here in chapter 13, he's highlighting the hypocrisy. He brings a contrast between what they are willing to do on the Sabbath day and what they're not willing to do on the Sabbath day. See, they are willing to do something that benefits them, right? We are willing to do something that benefits us because untying your animal to water it benefits you because you need that animal to stay alive. And if your son falls in a hole, right, it is your son. Come on, man. You're going to go and reach up and get him out of that hole, right? But then when it's somebody else, that's not my problem. Jesus is bringing this contrast and asking them, is that lawful? Should this woman, who's the daughter of Abraham, be bound, continue to be bound by Satan? Because it is the Sabbath day. See, it is not about the donkey. It is not about the ox. It's not about the animal or any, any of that. It is all about what do we place value on? What has the higher value? What is most important? Do they put more value on the well-being of an animal that benefits them or the well-being of a human being? What does God place the higher value on? What they didn't realize is that if Jesus took their position on Sabbath, if Jesus would not heal on the Sabbath, if Jesus decided not to restore on the Sabbath, if Jesus makes a decision to actually do nothing on the Sabbath, then if he rejects this woman on her time of need because it's the Sabbath, he must also reject them as well on their time of need on the Sabbath. See, Jesus is saying, I would rather work on the Sabbath so this woman can receive healing and wholeness and rest than do no work and for her to continue to be bound. Again, the experts of religious law had a misunderstanding of the reason for the Sabbath day. They overemphasize religious law, but Jesus emphasized just her humanity. They emphasize religious law, and Jesus emphasized just who she was, her identity. He says in, in verse 16, at this woman, a daughter of Abraham, a daughter of Abraham, He's letting them know she's not just this woman that you guys see, this poor woman that has been here for 18 years. She's a daughter of Abraham. He's emphasizing who she is. She is part of my covenant, part of God's covenant. She is a daughter of Abraham. How many of us, many times, we look at people and pass them by and think, ah, we may not, may not say it, but we treat people as though they are not sons and daughters of the king. And they may not know it. And they may live as outsiders. And they may not be in the house. And they may not be enjoying the blessings of their king, of their master, of their father. 
But yet they are still sons and daughters of the king. What's your identity? What's your identity? Who are you? I am perplexed um, many times of how when I talk to individuals later in life, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, I don't have a clue, the slightest clue as to who they are and what they do, what they do, what's their purpose, what's their design, what's their destiny. Whose daughter are you? Whose son are you? See, because your, your earthly father and your earthly mother may be no good, but you have a heavenly father. You're a son and a daughter of the most high God, of the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one that spoke and everything came into being. His power is something that we can't comprehend, that we cannot measure that's who you're related to. That's in your DNA. Jesus moves from this question that he asked him now directly into talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus says, what is the kingdom of God like and what shall I compare it to? See, Jesus showed them the kingdom of God. In action. And then he moves. To actually show them a picture. Of what the kingdom is like. You see Jesus first. Talks about the mustard seed. And compares the kingdom of God to the mustard seed. And then he compares. The leaven. To the kingdom of God. A measure of leaven. See both of these. Are very insignificant. In their present state. They're insignificant in their present state. You know, we know that the theme of the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke is the kingdom of God. And this kingdom seems to be different than any other kingdom in human history. And we have talked about how, how the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It is not many times what you think. See, something happens when you bring something seemingly insignificant, like the mustard seed or like the leaven, the measure of leaven, and, and you bring it into this upside-down kingdom. It doesn't stay insignificant. It doesn't remain in the current state. The mustard seed turns into a tree that provides shelter and a small measure of leaven Mixing the flour can affect the entire low, uh, the entire dough. What does this comparison have to do with what happened in the synagogue? And this is what I want us to walk away with as I begin to close this. What does this, Jesus talking about, the kingdom of God and making a comparison between the kingdom of God and the mustard seed and the leaven. How does this apply? How does it connect to the story of this woman in the synagogue? See, 
this comparison is very, very important. See, Jesus' actions in the synagogue on the Sabbath day was just a small picture of what he has come to do. He was on a journey towards Jerusalem and he was coming to do exactly that. So what he showed that he did for the woman, he delivered her from the grip, from the grasp of Satan. He said that this woman had been bound by Satan for 18 years. That was just a small picture of what he actually came to do. He came to do that for all of the Jews. He came to do that for all of humanity. And he's bringing it up and saying, guys, this is the kingdom of God right here. It may seem small to you at this time, but eventually you're not going to be able to wrap your brain around it. So that's where the connection happens. That's what Jesus is now trying to get them to see. See. The act of bringing deliverance, rest, healing to the woman was a small picture of what Jesus accomplished for all of us. But see, the, the, the story, the thing is that the story doesn't stop at the cross. See, the, the story doesn't stop at the cross. So many times as believers, we think the cross happened. Hallelujah. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for deliverance. But that's not where it stops. The cross is where our assignment begins. I'll say that again. The cross is where our assignment begins. There's encouragement for you today in your daily living. Why? Because as a Christ follower and as a Holy Spirit living inside of you, it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to plant that small seed of the kingdom in people around us. A small seed. A small seed that will take time. A small seed that you may not get to see how it flourishes. But it is our assignment. Because when we take that small seed, that small act, and we plant it, something supernatural happens. Something amazing happens that only God can do. See, like that small measure of leaven. You put a small measure of leaven in that dough and you put it in there. It may seem like nothing, but it just grows and it's visible. Now you can see it and it affects the whole thing. So we are the ones that get to mix that in. That the act, the action, the manifestation of the kingdom can be seen in the lives of others. That our actions may influence the lives of those around us. See, in this upside down kingdom, what seems very small is huge. It may seem insignificant at first. But the results are great. Because you and I are not the one that make the results happen. If that was the case, we would not get what we get here. God makes the results happen. See, God doesn't work according to our kingdom, but according to his. 
whatever the natural kingdom is, the, the kingdom of God is different. This upside down kingdom is a supernatural kingdom. That, go, that means that it goes beyond what we can understand, what we can conceive, what we can think, what we can imagine. It's supernatural. It's not of this world, guys. And as I said to you at the beginning of this message, when I shared the story, Susan's story, and when I talked about this woman that was crippled for 18 years, Jesus saw her. And Jesus sees you. He sees you. He knows you. He knows where you're at, exactly what you need. But there's now this component of he sees you and he calls you over. And it's up to you to respond. So right now, if you are expecting a touch from the master, he sees you and he's calling you. And I'm going to ask you to respond and just to stand right where you're at. Right where you're at. Praise God. Right where you're at. You want God to touch you in whatever way. It can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. Whatever it is. See, this kingdom is not, it's not like any other kingdom that you and I know. This kingdom, things happen that are so small that we think this doesn't really matter. This is insignificant. But in the hands of the king of the kingdom, what is insignificant is huge. It becomes life-changing. It's transcendent. We're going to do something right now as we close. I'm going to ask our altar teams. As you see people standing right now, let's step up to where they're at. Let's go pray with individuals where, where they're at. If you're sitting around somebody that's standing right now, you may not be part of the uh, of one of the, the teams, one of the altar teams, but you say, man, I, I need to pray with this man. I need to pray with this lady. Let's do family business right now. Just put your hands on somebody. Just ask them, is this healing? Do you want God to heal your body? Are you standing on behalf of somebody else? Some of you are in here and you have somebody in your mind right now that needs a touch from heaven. Is it a healing? Is it a physical healing? Is it spiritual? 